Welcome to Deep Spirituality. Today we're addressing a topic from our How to Have a Great Quiet Time series, step four if you've been working through the series, called How to Read the Bible Spiritually. And let's just jump right in with some of the passages in the text of the article just to help us set it up. But we're going to go all around and discussing reading, reading the Bible, reading spiritually, reading literally, or rather, I should say, not literally, but reading in a literary fashion, um, reading in an intellectual fashion, and approaching things from a theological fashion. But let's start off with Psalm 119, verse 17. I'm here with Nathan Shafanoff, Cameron Straw, Mike and Amy Query. Let me, your servant, walk in abundance of life, that I may always live to obey your truth. Open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. My life on earth is so brief, so tutor me in the ways of your wisdom. Again, that's Psalm 119, 17 to 19 in the Passion Translation. And then in the New Revised Standard Translation, Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's Romans 15, 4 in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. So when you guys look at these two passages of Scripture that set up the topic of how to read the Bible spiritually, do you learn anything or see anything that previous to seeing those passages, previous looking at those passages you hadn't thought about, or does it confirm something you already did? Does it um, point out something that you believe and don't do? What's your reaction to these two passages of Scripture? Because that's where I want to start. Well, I think, uh, you know, in, in that first passage when it says, open my eyes to see, right. I think, uh, I mean, followed up with it in the uh, article right after that saying the uh, the Bible is a book about God. And and that to me, like, of the whole piece, that was like actually my biggest takeaway and the biggest thing. That so how has that changed me? So if that, if that happened, then how is seeing the Bible as a book about God, how has that changed you? Uh, I think the biggest thing it did for me was change how I approach reading the Bible. I, I tend to approach it kind of in a self-help sort of fashion. Like uh-huh. I go in, I go, okay, what are the three things I need to do today? Or what's like the action item I can do instead right. of learning about God, just like trying to like, yeah. develop a, a relationship with him. I mean, I think right. it, it it helped me to enjoy my times in the morning more. What does uh, enjoy mean to you? Um, I think... Uh, learning just finding things that like to open my eyes like just seeing things that i wasn't looking for before um made it just more interesting it made it more uh relaxing less stressful um i think i've grown up reading my bible and yep. so i've kind of approached it as like a task a lot of times I'm still not understanding when you so i can't understand the difference and I, I know you're you probably have it in there i can't understand the difference between what you said at the beginning and what you said now is it knowing it was a book about God, you were, you would read it to figure things out. Yeah. But then you just said, I, when I'm learning, I'm getting insights and I'm learning about stuff. So how are those different? I think what I'm like the latter, I'm learning like, uh, you know, the things that God likes, how he feels Uh like the, so later in that part was like the top 16 books of the Bible. Yeah. And so I, I read Genesis. Yeah. And, uh, you read the whole thing. I did. Wow. The whole, it took a while. (laughs) I'm impressed. Um, I don't know. I just kind of looked for more just emotion type descriptions about what God example. did. Because um, I think people out there want, you know, the, the, I think reading, 
Number one, there are a lot of people reading is not something they enjoy. So take the Bible out of it. Reading anything is hard, which is which brings to the question, why would God make the chief form of understanding him the written Mm -hmm. word? I think that's a very interesting Mm -hmm. question. Um, But give me an example of what you're talking about. Um, okay, so in Genesis 6, uh-huh. and, for, and, and this is a passage I'd known about, but yeah. I guess I, I hadn't really looked at it in a long time, and yeah. so after this, I read it again in a different translation. It's in Genesis 6, verse 6. It says, The Lord was sorry that he had made people on the earth and made him very sad in his heart. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I guess, I guess I'd, like we talk about sin a lot in church, and yeah. sort of, I have this kind of... Uh, you know, performance mentality. Yeah. When I look at scripture a lot of times, yeah. you know, I measure like how good a job that I do and yeah. being a good Christian and stuff. But I don't often think about, you know, what, what that must have been like for God. Like I just start imagining like if I had like, I don't know, made people and yeah. in, in hopes that they would like me and want right. to have a friendship with me and yeah. to feel like rejected uh-huh. on such a massive scale. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I just kind of, Made me think a little bit differently, I guess. I so let me ask you a question. This is very interesting. So you said an interesting phrase. You said we talk about sin a lot in church. So does are you saying that that the way you interpret that Ye- is problematic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not an indictment on churches talking about sin. I don't. I don't even care if you <laughs> indict church. I just more am going. See, to me, I think that. When I was playing basketball growing up, which I'm working on a new 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 thing I'm gonna give you guys in a little while. On basketball? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has some of it in there. Okay. You're finally getting uh your book about basketball um to the publishers. I, I wanna challenge Bill Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly. I feel it's important. <laughs> I think I can do it in half the pages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no. Um that's a great book, by the way. I own it. Um when I was playing basketball, I felt like we ran too much. Like my, I felt like my coach was always having us run. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because he probably wanted you to run a lot? Didn't like the running, maybe? I hate running. <laughs> yeah. I hate running to this day. Yeah. My theory about people is that we always notice things that we don't like. Mm. Right. So... If you put something on the table, green beans, and I don't like green beans, that's the first thing I'm going to notice. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, think, I think what you're talking about, actually, is how a lot of people uh, feel, mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of sin talked about, and I think it's in part because it's the thing we don't like. Now I shouldn't say, well, no, I don't either. It's the <laughs> thing we don't like talking about. Yeah, right. And the beautiful thing you've done is you brought up a passage that caught your attention in the huge, massive tome called the book of Genesis. Right. And the one you zeroed in on is God's feeling about sin. Right. I think that's right. curious because you clearly didn't have a problem with the topic, meaning making you feel guilty or right. feeling like you had to perform when you saw how God felt about mm, it, yeah, which yeah. leads me to an insight, or I should say, which makes me understand your insight, which is sin disconnected from God is just a burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I can, I mean, that helps me cause I can really articulate it like yeah. that. 
I knew as much as like, okay, okay, I need to see sin differently, yada, yada. But like not necessarily like I can view sin but have no real relationship attached to it, much less God. Yeah, which is why what you're sharing is so important because you said that when I saw, and I'll go ahead and read this part for everybody, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the article we're kind of working from, the Bible is a book about God. And I have suffered much to learn this lesson. Reading it spiritually is not about being able to quote better, know more, be smarter, argue effectively, memorize more, or even gain comfort. The focus of scripture is to know God. Mark 12, 24, Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And so what I would say about uh, uh, what you're saying, Mike, which is a really great way to start, and I'll bring in Cameron and Amy in, in, in a moment after this, is that once you began to read the Bible looking for God, you stopped seeing sin and you started seeing God. Yeah. So instead of looking for your performance and whether you did something right or wrong, am I going to heaven or hell? you went and you looked at God and it transformed your view because instead of you seeing sin as your failure, right. you saw sin as how it impacted God. Yeah, and it, and it was almost like uh, like this uncomfortable almost because of how, oft, like how often it had been the other way. Yeah. So when I read, I kept reading the book and you read about Abraham and you read, I mean, Enoch was really cool, like a little brief there. Yeah, but, yeah, we were, we, we, Nathan and I had a conversation about Enoch in another podcast that'll oh, drop. Man at some point shout out to Enoch shout out you know and all these guys like and and seeing it like man what what that must what must have that been like and just kind of imagining it more and then it it, and then you know because then they had sin yes and they you know Jacob had sin yes Abraham they all kept doing the same sort of sister lie thing for some you know it was kind of funny that that was a thing (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah it was but they all like God didn't change how he felt about them. So yeah, it's just like a whole different kind yeah. of way of. Yeah. I think it goes to first John four where he talks about, there's no fear in love because uh, fear has right. to do with punishment. I think we either see God as a punisher or a parent. And I think right. depending on which way we see him determines right. how we view everything about it. But let's get Cameron and Amy in here. Yeah. Well, I was the, I really like that passage in Romans 15 and even the, it's funny, the excerpt that you wrote after it, when I was reading it and that last part, you said, it's not, you know, just, to be able to help us memorize more and be smarter. And, and the last part was gain comfort because I've actually studied out comfort, but I think I started uh, doing an intellectual kind of pursuit of it. Like, Oh yeah, this is how you get comfort. Right. But I wasn't actually getting any comfort from God or the scripture. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this is, it took me like a week and a half into this study to really realize that I wasn't getting any comfort. There was something really wrong couch. in the way I was doing this. And so this helped me, and I laughed at it a little bit because I was like, okay, this is this is God. Like sometimes I feel like God's playing a practical joke on me or something, like kind of stringing me along very patiently. But I think that helped me to, um, I don't know, just to slow down and be like, okay, I, what am I actually taking from the scriptures? And am I doing, am I praying differently right. to get comfort? Am I actually. And so now I'm actually trying to do that, but it just... What did you figure out? I'm kind of curious. He's hyping it up. He's hyping it up. Well, I think... Typing it up. It's going to release it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It drops next week. YouTube, how to get comfort. It's kind of... Everything they didn't figure out in the How to Have a Great Quiet Time series. It's 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 all leading to this. It's kind of along what you guys were talking about of of a way of reading the Bible. I think think a lot of the time I'm getting um, some kind of 
security or something from my understanding or what I think I, I know about something or what I'm learning. And that's a way that I've kind of gotten security for a while. I've realized recently, like my knowledge, quote yeah. unquote, air yeah. quotes there of, of so, uh, the Bible. Let me ask you this question. What yeah. were you looking for when you were searching out comfort? Well, I, I, I mean, I thought I was looking for comfort. I thought I was but what looking- does comfort mean to you? I think it's I mean, comfort a, to me as a, you know, yeah. a hot beverage and a chocolate cake. That's yeah. Comfort to me. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, my original intention. So I thought was to get, um, to me, it means, um, I guess a feeling of security mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess from God mm-hmm. that that's something that I could, where I don't have to go to other things to get it, whether it's for me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I love video games. I love movies. You know, so do I. Like I love, but I can go to that stuff. To, like you know, it's the holidays are coming up. I can be like, oh, I just can't wait for the new movie to come out, right? Right. And even if I'm not watching, like indulging, binging, my heart, like all I want to do is go home and watch this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I still can't figure out what you what you're what you're so, looking for. So what, I, what I'm, I'm still I'm still confused. so what I'm saying is I don't want to do that as much as I'm like, okay, well, how do I get this from God and not need that? Where the thing on my heart isn't I need the next fix. Not need a movie. Well, not yeah. So like, you're losing me now, man. I need <laughs> movies. I mean, I need movies too, but I mean, to need it and to want to watch it is a different thing for me. Okay, I so guess. when I, I and I didn't study the subject out, yeah. so I don't know. But when I look at right. when I think about Second Corinthians chapter one, right? Okay, he says, you know, God is a God, God of all comfort. Right. So, comfort to me is a relational thing. Yeah. So it's not about what you're doing; it's right. about who you're connected to. Right. It's not about the amount of movies you see or don't see or the right. number of video games you play or don't play or how long you play those video games, except for teenagers out there, just so my kid knows. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think what yeah. it, I think this is going back to the point that Mike was making. Right. And it's something I've had to learn the hard way is that mo- many times in our head, let's take the word sin out and let's put the word no in. Many times in our head, we think God is saying no. Hmm. So I feel that like. If I want to do something, he wouldn't want me to do that. If I want to have something, he wouldn't want me to have that. And then, interesting enough, I think it's in Second Corinthians chapter one and two. He talks about uh, I can't remember. He talks about that uh, Jesus is a maybe it's First Corinthians. Jesus is Jesus is the the, the yes answer. Ooh, and, yeah, yeah. and I think there's an element of us right. that always thinks negatively. So when you're talking about mm-hmm. comfort, you're talking about losing things and not gaining things. Mm-hmm. And right. to me, the key is, do you have enough internal comfort that you don't need to play right. seven hours of video? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you're playing seven hours, but seven hours mm-hmm. of video games. Do you have enough comfort in your life that you don't need to see the third movie yeah. in the day? But comfort then has something to do with satisfaction. Right. Yeah, and, and that's that, kind of what that I'm, context. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking about. Like I, I I'm seeing that I I don't I guess my initial thought because I have for instance I've talked about this a bunch of times, but I have chronic health challenges and stuff like that, right? And when I'm going through that stuff, I just want to do anything to feel good. There we go. But yeah. I don't associate God with this security blank. This man, I'm gonna actually enjoy this experience. Like yeah. I enjoy video games. Well, what if God wants you to watch a movie so you do feel comfort when you're in pain? That's that is a good point. I think, and the, I don't just, think no. I think the book of Ecclesiastes says everything's been given to us so we can enjoy it. Right. So you could argue that when God put, when you have an idea in your head, you know, when 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 those parts right. of your body hurt that I know hurt, and you, and you have an idea in your head, I need to watch. Uh, yeah. Give me a movie. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he was stressed out. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's say uh, cheaper the cheap the cheaper by the dozen. Nice little family comedy with Steve yeah. Martin and Bonnie Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Um, right. So let's say God wants you to laugh and He wants you to watch a movie. Totally. I think some of what it is is we and I, I'm really guilty of these things. That's the only reason I can spot them. Right. Is we compartmentalize our Christian life and we literally say in this category mm-hmm. those are the no's and these are right. the yeses. And so part of finding comfort is learning how to how to deal with the fact that I do too much of this. Yeah. And I I, I don't I I a hundred percent where you're at. I'm sort of speaking right. to our audience and to myself right. and saying, I think we have to get to a space where we go, God is so satisfying that whether I'm playing a video game, watching right. a movie, staring out a window, and not all of it's the same, but I do think he wants us to be encouraged when we're in pain. Right. Right. And I think he does want us to be encouraged when we're discouraged. And yes. I do think that he will, I've had it happen to me where I come home, this is back in the day where you didn't have DVRs and didn't have, you know, well, I couldn't afford any of that. Um, and so I, and I was single and I come home, you know, late at night from uh, working and stuff like that. And I turn on the TV one time and there's a sports show on about Tom Landry as a coach. He's an old coach of Dallas Cowboys and all, and I was going through a particularly difficult time and struggling and, and spiritually. And, and the um, moderator says, Tom Landry is a coach who believes in, in, in Romans five. And he always talks about Romans five. And then all of a sudden you're Tom Landry saying, yeah, I believe in it. You know, the suffering, these perseverance, perseverance, character to hope. And he says, and so when I get players on the Dallas Cowboys, I want players with character because a player with character, whether you're up by 20 or you're down by 20, where it's the first mm. five minutes, or the last five minutes, he never changes the way he plays. Right. I heard all that and it, it, it helped me. It, 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 it brought me peace and so yeah. it comforted me and i think there are a lot of things yeah. that are brought into our life to bring us comfort yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah. about indulging but i wonder sometimes if right. we separate out the good things we can do yeah. from mm-hmm. the god of all comfort Definitely. when he may want he may he didn't want yeah. me eating too much chocolate cake, but right. he may want you eating something <laughs> yeah. like a nice t-bone enjoying that, that yeah and enjoying that <laughs> yeah. and not just getting comfort from the t-bone right not just getting comfort from the video game right. not just getting comfort from the movie but getting comfort from the fact that he gave them to you right mm-hmm. i think that's, that's a, a cool. way to be a, to yeah. feel a little less guilty well, i like that and it's a, it's a different mm-hmm. perception of god to go mm-hmm. oh no god's actually giving me things and cares about me enough for well, me to enjoy these things it also challenges me like i'm a religious person to to sort of go like wait where am i in this spectrum? Right. you know like which, <laughs> am i overindulging my under did this come from god am i de- like i don't know like, like know, i can like, start like, drinking beers yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask the question: Has he ever stopped? <laughs> so it's okay what I've been doing for years. Well, see, I, I I think when you're satisfied by right. God, you don't have need. Yeah, mm. I be, yeah, mm. and that's and you that's, don't have a you don't have right. addictive mindsets. And mm. that's the thing because I'm an addict, like at my core and I, my past. And so when I think about that's the thing I want to change. Beautiful, and I, I see wanna, it. And I really want to go. Oh, I don't mm. need that. Like I, I, I'm gonna enjoy that it. That's it. Time right, time. Right. That's it. I don't need. I can enjoy it. but I don't need it. And now we've nailed it down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And comfort from you is a sense of satisfaction yeah. that mm-hmm. you can take it or leave it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you're at yeah. peace either way. Yes. And that's exactly. the power of God working in your life. I'm Boom. with you 100 percent on that. That's good. Totally. Pardon the interruption, but I wanted to let you guys know about a new thing we have going on at deepspirituality.net. At Deep Spirituality, we believe when we spend time alone with God, it should be the most delightful experience of our day, anticipated, cherished, and then savored. 
That is why we developed How to Have a Quiet Time, a comprehensive guide. This guide breaks down every aspect of having a quiet time with God from choosing the Bible translation that will help you connect with God differently, using a journal to record the stages of your journey with God, to learning how to move God in prayer. Head over to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide. Whether the day is good or bad, hard or easy, painful or pleasurable, it is our morning time with God that should help us sing with joy or endure with gritty determination. Make sure to go to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide of how to have your quiet time. Now, back to the show. Amy, before I get you in here, let's, let, me, let me go through a couple of other uh, aspects of this and you can, you can jump in. Are you on this one, Producer Nathan? Yeah, I can, oh, okay. I I can say I, words. I, I Nate's not. always on. I can't remember. I'm always here in the room. Um, so anyway, uh, the focus of Scripture is to know God. Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the Scriptures of the power of God? Mark 12, 24 in the NIV. And then I'm going to go ahead and cover some of the stuff I talked about that I've gone through in my own experience, and, and we, we're all kind of combining our experiences to have this conversation about how to read the Bible spiritually. The first Bible I ever purchased was for a college class called Major Authors. It was a paper-bound King James Bible. Despite the difficulty of accessibility presented by the archaic language, my professor, a visiting scholar from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, beat Notre Dame this past weekend, got to be Maryland coming up, just want to get that in there. (laughs) A visiting scholar from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, despite having no apparent faith in God, made the scriptures come alive. In Luke 24, 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What that literature class taught me about making the Bible come alive has remained with me to this day. I've worked hard to develop this literary style of reading scripture, which has deepened my capacity to read them spiritually, with the result being God's word burning within so that my eyes open to his will and plans. Amos 3, 7. I'll let you get in there, Amy. Yeah, I I mean, I just think this section of the whole guide was probably one of the hardest ones for me, to be honest. I like to read, but I think really challenging myself as far as, you know, why am I reading and is it giving me power? Like, I don't really question why I'm reading the Bible. You know, it can be like, well, it's a good thing. I'm spiritual reading. You know, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, it's kind of challenging. Like, I remember having a conversation with a friend and she, you know, I was, I'm, emo- I'm I can be pretty emotional. So I was sharing a bunch of stuff. I don't even remember what, but lots of emotion. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, so do you, do you read the Bible? Oh. And I felt so offended, you know, like I'm like, yeah, you know, you. and I'm like, every day, you know, so, but then, but, but it's the first time I kind of questioned, Huh, maybe something is missing here. You know? like, it's clearly not obvious that I uh, read the Bible, you know. But I, but I think I get a lot of. I, so I'm going to church a long time, and I feel like I can get a lot of kind of religious rules in my head of like, okay, read, you know, try to read to change things about myself or, or then I flip flop over to just reading like, oh, God is good, and I see nothing about myself that I need to change, and so I, so I don't know. I can get kind of this little mental gymnastics going on in my head when I read the Bible. So I think it's kind of helpful to really, I, I, it's been challenging to kind of question as I'm reading. Am I really explain reading it? Explain more why it's challenging. You're a person who likes to read, but it's challenging. Can you, can you yeah. drill down into that a little bit more? Um, I mean, I think it's interesting in my head, but sometimes it's hard to engage my heart. Like, so I, I find it interesting. Like, and I, I remember first opening the Bible and feeling like, this is so cool. It has so many practical things. It's, there's so much I didn't know. Right. And so I liked reading it. I felt it's very interesting. I like reading the stories, but it's my mind and not my heart. I feel like 
like it's very hard for me to, you know, engage emotions, um, fears, anxieties, to see things about myself that do I don't like. What do you mean like, by engage? You know? um, I think I, I mean um, to admit sometimes, like areas I feel really weak or emotional, don't like that. Um, I, uh, I also, I, I was noticing in the scripture, one of the ones we read, I didn't notice before, I think it's, it says, tutor me in your ways. Yes. Don't like that. Don't like learning. I don't. I really don't. I get you really like reading, but not learning. Yes. Don't like. I like figuring stuff out myself. I don't want anyone to teach me. You know. I'm like I'll I'll, I'll figure mm-hmm. it out on my own. You know. And uh, is that true, Mike? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, four you're 0. married, so you it's would know. Four point student. So I think that's kind of how you grew up, right? Just, but I thought let me just get school this. was about learning. No. School's about getting. School's about what? You can achieve without learning. I yeah, guess, in school. I don't yeah, think yeah. You, I, I didn't learn a lot in school. I think you can. I think maybe that's the idea. We of did school. both. We did the both. We 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 didn't learn and we failed. Amy didn't learn, but she achieved it. <laughs> <laughs> she worked the system, man. I can tell you. Three. Well, let's let's examine that for a minute, then, because okay, so, um, my biggest problem my freshman year, and that's probably some of my worst grades, my first semester freshman year of college that I ever had. Uh, my first my first D I, I got. I, I, ne- I never had had one, never had one again, but I, I was like, wow, what's this about? And it's because I spent so much, I was studying economics. I spent so much time reading like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, and I, 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 had, I, had, I had never been able to access a library of the size of the college and I suddenly got into these people and I was just fascinated by these people and I, I just wanted to read everything they had. I wanted because I felt like those two writers in particular, um, Nathaniel Hawthorne too, helped me understand life. So when I read, I was learning. So when I was in high school, I was, I started late in basketball. So I read a book to learn how to do it. So I think I always saw reading as a way to learn how to do or understand what you didn't you know, know how to understand. And so when I refer to that literature class, and some people have asked me, the, the four styles of reading that we talk about here are spiritual reading, literary reading, intellectual reading, and theological reading. And I want to get your thoughts on this in a minute, Amy. But spiritual reading, pursuing the spiritual meaning for faith and the heart to please God. Literary reading, finding emotional and visual inspiration in the language of Scripture intellectual reading, learning about biblical time, place, culture, and history, theological reading, academic study of religious ideas, doctrine, and concepts of God. Okay, so when I look at that, I say part of what you're talking about, and the reason it's, I think, probably for a lot of people frustrating is that they haven't yet identified how they're reading the Bible. Yeah. And so until you identify how you're reading the Bible— and then figure out your strengths and weaknesses, you won't know how you need to begin to read the Bible. And so I think it's important. And you got to read a lot to learn it. But which one of those styles do you think is, and maybe everybody can say, which one of those styles is the one that was giving you trouble or is it a different style? Is it, do you have an unlisted style? I, I think it was helpful to go through this. I think, uh, I know I, I thought, I did think maybe I have an unlisted style of self self-help maybe that's an yeah, yeah, I don't know like yeah. it's all about me what do I need to change how do I change but then I can cut God out of the picture but that also might go with intellectual or theological you know learning concepts or um, ideas um, but I just never really had questioned like oh that's different than you so know which one on there's the hardest guys. do you think I think spiritual for me personally all right. how about you Cameron 
I think spiritual, although I haven't really dabbled in the theological reading. That sounds challenging, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've done that and it, yeah. it's boring. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe I, that's not to insult theological people out there. I know. I just think you know. I, I I need. I'm like when I watch a movie, I like a documentary, but I can't watch them every night. Yeah, <laughs> documentaries are so good. I, though. I actually, they thought, are. They're great. I and them. I think theological is a little bit like a documentary, but I just can't. You know, I gotta. I gotta get me some. You know, right. something. I think I can lean on sort of the intellectual side if it, if it's hinting in maybe more Amy's definition with bordering along the self-help but also um I'd like to think I I, I try to read for spiritual reasons Which one which one but, do you think is your weakness? I think the spiritual one. Okay. Yeah. How about you Mike? Yeah, I was going to I think the spiritual one I feel like is a weakness. I but I also feel like I the second one was very interesting for me, literary reading, like finding emotional and visual inspiration. I realize like when I read like I I don't I'm an emotional person, and I'm I, I think I'm a kind of a visual person, you know. Mm-hmm. And but when I read the Bible, I don't, you know, engage with it that way. Yeah, you know. So I, I feel like there's there's something off in the way. If that's how I process information, why don't I do that with God? Why don't I do that in the Bible? So let's just jump I was around gonna, a little bit. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say this might have not how you intentionally wrote it, but when I read the literal reading, finding emotion, visual visual inspiration, like I realized, like I do that a lot. Like I want the Bible to like get me going emotionally, yeah. you know? And so there's such a reliant on emotion. And, I, and I'm going to connect this to section one about the picking the Bible translations. Because yeah. I started reading the NASB, the NRSV, because mm-hmm. so much I relied on like, the, let me get the emotional translations of things because yeah. I, I want to be like st- stirred emotionally and kind of a shot in the arm almost, you know? Yeah. Um, and so much of it is the more like, looking to the Bible to like to stimulate that and I can have a hard time seeing the or doing the spiritual reading part so I'm like okay I need to like really understand the text understand what God's saying and not so be so reliant on like just getting the rah-rah speech from the Bible to get me going to to be able to do things to be able to take things on but to really try to be spiritual really understand what is God actually trying to tell me yeah um, through the literal translations but so I kind of related it a little bit to like what Mike was saying but so um, I can't remember exactly where it's at, but let's say maybe you can look, uh, Cameron, uh, John mm-hmm. um, seventeen twenty two, and see if we get lucky here. But what I want to do is I want to uh, focus a little bit on what Nathan, you just said about reading it emotionally, because I think a lot of people are feeling that frustration that some of you guys are talking about, about this section and, and how I read the Bible and how I approach it. And when I first started out, I read it like a, a well, I read it. I read it like, well, I've never read this before. But then after I got a little mm. bit more familiar with it, I read it as a manual for how to live, how to lead, how to be, what to do. And and so I think there are stages to reading it, um, and, and we'll cover that in a minute. But the, 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 the central thing is that if you look at, um, if you look at the Bible, it's a, it's a book of truth. And so the difficulty with reading it spiritually is if you don't want to know the truth, you're not going to like reading it. Yeah. Mm. And so I think part of the emotion we get that is unhealthy in reading the Bible is that we are not looking for truth. Mm. Uh, we're yeah. looking for something other than truth. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so you can't really have a great relationship with God until you decide, I want to know the truth that you want to speak. Right. And I don't want to silence you. In Romans 1, it talks about the fact that we suppress the truth by hmm. wickedness. So there's an element of when I'm reading the Bible, if what I really want to do is suppress the truth, then I'm going to have a really difficult time. 
And so I, what I was, what I wonder from all of you is, is that an issue? Is that in all the, you know, I want to read it this style. I want to read it that style. I want to understand this. I want to understand that is really what it comes down to in some ways. We just don't want to hear any truth. (laughs) We don't want to find out that our way, our thoughts, our wants are in one way or another incorrect. And John, I missed it by some verses. John 17, 17, and I'll use the NIV. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so if the word of God is truth, and if you have a terrible relationship or a weak relationship with truth, then it's going to cause you to be hard to it. It's going to cause you to resist it. It's caused you to rebel against it. It's going to cause you to be angry toward it because it's truth. And so I want to have a little discussion about you can't really have a literary. I mean, you you really can't have a reading style if at the core of your style is I just don't like (laughs) the truth. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that for a minute. Tell me how that fits in. I mean, for me, I mean, I think I can relate to that. I I don't think I like to to hear the truth a lot of time. I can pride myself as a person who speaks the truth sometimes, but not always. um, I don't think I've connected it until you just said that. I'm like, oh, I guess maybe I don't like hearing the truth based on the definition that you even put in the spiritual reading with the pursuing the spiritual meaning for faith and the heart to please God. I think one of the things I don't like is seeing that I'm actually not trying to please God. Like I'm just trying to please myself. I'm trying to like because I think there's something there um, when I when I read when I read certain scriptures, I think there's an emotional response to certain scriptures when I when I do see truth and I don't like dealing with emotion. And usually that emotion is seeing that I'm failing in some way or seeing that I'm not like a performance person. So I don't want to say fail, I guess, but it's seeing the weakness. I don't like seeing weaknesses um, that I feel like I have to rely on God to overcome because that that just seems like a big emotional thing and that's and that's a lot of things though right like that's a a lot of areas of my life like the comfort thing we were talking about earlier like I need to um like that's not a natural it's hard for me to see God in that way naturally like oh I can enjoy God like he's trying to give me these things like you said the parent or uh I forget the other definition punisher yeah the punisher um and so I, I think I can see him more um on the punishing parent side than a, than a parent who's really loving, nurturing. And, and so that takes emotional work to kind of change my heart about that, change my mind about that. So if I see a scripture that's saying otherwise, I have to really slow down and engage to hear that truth and to see that I'm maybe thinking about them in a wrong way. So let me give you an example of yeah. kind of what you're talking about. It's on marriage, you know, Okay. but in Proverbs 30, uh, um, it's uh, the, the, NIV 84 translation, it talks about the fact that the the world shakes beneath the feet of a woman who is married yet unloved. Ooh. So if I'm a husband and I read that scripture, it's telling me a truth. Mm. That is, my lack of love has made my wife turbulent, mm-hmm. right? So if I read that and I want to know the truth, then I go, I've got to stop leaving my wife alone, unattached, unsupported, uncared for, unlistened to, right? I've read that scripture many times. And so if I'm reading that, I'm looking at that and I'm seeing that and I'm going, I can look at this one of two ways. 
I'm a failure as a husband or I found the solution to my problem. Hmm. Hmm. If I love truth, I found the solution to my problem. Right. Now I know why my wife's not happy. But if I hate the truth, I just sit there and stew over the fact that I'm to blame for her not being happy. (laughs) Right. Or if you don't believe the truth, I guess. Like you don't want to believe that. And then I think think I'm an unbeliever a lot of time when I read because I was reading Psalms 5 this morning, for instance, and David, you know, he's emotional with guys telling him what he really thinks, but then he also ends it with faith a lot of the time, those prayers. And I'm like, I don't do that. But I don't, I think that's a thing where I don't, because I can but feel. To, but to, to, so to do it. Right. Like you just said. Yeah. You've got to believe that God has the truth. Right. And so if you're reading your Bible and you're constantly surprised, constantly sad. Right. Constantly been out of shape. You're not there for truth. You're right. there for confirmation. Ooh. I'm going to read this for you to confirm that what I want to do is right. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And and then it's going to cause a lot. And, I, and, and let's get these guys. And let's get Mike and Amy. They, yeah. they became suspiciously quiet. <laughs> the marriage scripture. That I think that's what. Why'd you bring right that up? This, 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 <laughs> it's the one that came to my mind because I think it's one I've read before. And I went in, in my marriage, I've read that. And I've said, you know. I mean, my wife's very, very got a great temperament. I, I have a less great temperament, but um, I learned early in our marriage that I needed, I used to go out and pray and say, God, things aren't going well. And I know you're allowing it to happen to show me what it feels like in our relationship. That when I neglect, when I neglect our relationship or when I feel neglected by you, I become turbulent and the same happens in my marriage. And so I think when you get comfortable with the Bible being right, then you become less uncomfortable with people telling you truth. So mm. nobody surprises you. If someone comes up to me and says, you're arrogant or you're prideful or you're selfish, these things are not surprises to me. Right. And maybe someone's been hurt and I need to apologize about it or whatever, but it's not killing me to apologize because yeah. it's not unfamiliar to me and I'm right. not searching for your approval I'm searching for the truth. And yeah. I think a lot of the reason when we read the Bible, no change occurs is because we're either searching for confirmation or we're wallowing in the negativity of I failed instead of I found my answer. Let's yeah, I, I totally, I think as you're saying that, that makes sense. That's probably what affects me a lot reading the Bible. I have a pretty bad relationship with truth. I know I shared before, even having an eating disorder for many years, those thrive on deceit. Like you hide what you think, what you feel, what you do. And so I think I, that's so a why is big that? thing. Why have a negative relationship with truth? No. Why, why is why is there a need to hide? Um, shame, wanting to be perfect. Like you, you don't see truth as a good thing. Like the solution. Like oh, if I saw that, I I could grow. I could change. You know. Like you see it more as like oh no, that's bad. Hide that. So, you know. So let me explore this. The the, the so this is going to really confuse our podcast here. <laughs> but so the counter to that point would be that, and this is a positive thing, by the way. The counter to that would be sometimes when you're young or when you're faced with circumstances that are difficult, um, you can't change them. And I think deceit then becomes a defense mechanism to, 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 to ward off pain and to ward off difficulty. And so sometimes I know I'm not, I'm not, you know, disagreeing with the Bible. I understand that deceit's sin, so I don't need anybody to tell me later on or email me or something. And I read your podcast and you said deceit is just a coping mechanism. <laughs> okay, it is. It is a coping mechanism. Doesn't mean it's right, but it is. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes what can happen is 
the way you can learn to cope with pain can be sinful. Mm -hmm. For me, it was selfish ambition. I learned to deal with pain and rejection by boasting and being selfish ambitious and by achieving. And I figured if I can achieve and if I can get these grades and these awards, then it doesn't matter what anybody says. That was my sinful way right. of coping with rejection. There's a better way to cope with rejection. Build better relationships. Be more vulnerable. I didn't do that. And so what I'm saying is I think you're speaking to an issue that's probably true of more people in this room and outside than want to admit it, which is disconnected from what you mentioned about eating disorder. I, I believe you on that. I'm not discounting that. But I'm saying I think sometimes it's stopping and reading your Bible and understanding that the reason God gives us truth is to free us from the slavery of deceit and pretending so we can be ourselves and be happy with ourselves. But if you're in an environment, I'm an African-American, so if I'm in an environment that's racist and prejudiced, it becomes infinitely more difficult for me to be true because I'm feeling so much pain and so much rejection mm. so I can become deceitful. So yeah. I think when you start to deepen your understanding of deceit and you start to deepen your understanding of why you do it, then you start to get see the path of why God says in John 8, 31 and 32, if you hold to my teachings, then, then, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so the capacity to sit down and say, okay, wait a minute, how did I get to the point where I, and I, I did the same thing, I used deceit too. How did I get to the point where I became so deceitful because I'm so consumed with what people think about me? So my only path to freedom, according to the Bible, John 8, 31, 32, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 and following, when he talks about the Holy Spirit and how we gain freedom there. My only path to freedom is to decide the person I care the most about is God, and people are going to have to take a way, way less uh, sizable role in my life. And so I think when you, when you do that in your quiet time and your thought processes, you, that's when you get the freedom from deceit. So I think one of the things that, that's important for us to understand is if we just stay in our sin, and this goes back to your point, Mike, mm -hmm. if we just stay in our sin, label ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm lazy. I'm, right. I'm deceitful. I'm self-ambitious. Then that's terrible <clears throat> because <laughs> we're going to forever sit there and go, I'm a slave. Even right. if I've tried to change it, I'm a slave. That's just who I am. No, 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 no. I've got to find freedom. So if I was in your situation, Amy, I'd be sitting there going, what kind of Bible study, what kind of book can I read in the Bible that will tell me how to get free? There's a book by M. Scott Peck. He wrote The Road Less Traveled, but he also wrote a book called The People of the Lie. He's like a psychiatrist, I'm pretty sure. He's an MD for sure. And that was a, uh, The Road Less Traveled is a bestseller from the 90s, I think, or something. But I think what happens is when we don't understand taking our Bible and, 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 and assessing ourselves with our character, our life experiences, if we don't understand why we do what we do, then all we're trying to do is get our life to behave according to the right. rules we know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so some of yeah. it is that that great spiritual conversations help us discover, right. not just convict, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. that's good. And so that's kind of what I'd like you to play around with here in your thoughts. I'm going to read a little bit more, and then I want you to come back around with uh, Cameron and Mike and talk more about that. Even you and Mike can talk because you guys know each other better than than, than we do about mm -hmm. what it's like to learn how to help each other with these things in marriage. Part of the interruption to the podcast, we wanted to let you guys know about something really cool happening at deepspirituality.net. 
I have Mike and Amy here to tell us about some of the latest stuff going on with the newsletter. Mike, Amy, tell, tell the audience, tell the listeners, uh, what, what, what do we have cooking in the lab? Well, listeners, hopefully by now you've seen on Deep Spirituality on our website, we published not too long ago a comprehensive guide uh, called How to Have a Quiet Time. And it's a beast. There's a lot to it. It's a great guide. There's a ton to it. Um, But some of the feedback we got was it's a lot of stuff. How do we tackle that? How do we break it down? How do we approach reading this when, you know, it's not necessarily something you can do all in one sitting, right? Yeah, so what we did is we went ahead and broke this guide down into um, into a 14-day set of emails. So basically, you'll get a little piece of it, a, a kind of a bite-sized piece, depending how big you bite, um, but a bite-sized <laughs> piece of it um, in your email every morning um, for 14 days, and it has you know, the, the quiet time guide broken down. Plus we put in there some additional resources that are about that section of the guide. So you can really take your time to go through the guide and process it, digest it, apply it to yourself. Um, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of something we want to make a, a key thing that we, we talk about at Deep Spirituality, right? It's how to have a relationship with God, how to build and grow. Not that we're experts or anything, but there's so much to talk about on that subject, you know, like your personal walk with God that uh, we didn't want to just be like a, a one and done thing. You read a thing and you move on. So I think our hope was you spread this out over a couple of weeks and every day you focus on just a little specific part of your relationship with God, you know, your routine, you know, how you approach reading, prayer. There's so much to talk about. So uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, um, you get a nice two-week course um, that should help you out. Hopefully, I think it's pretty creative, pretty fun. There's a lot of things to dive into there. Let's go to deepspirituality.net. That's our website, and you can register right there at the top to send your email address. And uh, the next morning, you'll get your, your your day one email. Great. So like Mike and Amy has said, we have launched a special edition of the Kickstart Your Quiet Time newsletter. By signing up for our newsletter over the following two weeks, you'll have taken a tour dedicated to helping you learn how to develop a deeper walk with God. Every morning, we'll send you a section of this guide to focus on. We'll also send you related media like podcast episodes, videos, Spotify playlists, and other articles that supplement that section for the day. Whether you've been reading the Bible for decades or you're building a relationship with God for the first time, our hope is that you'll find spiritual tools in this newsletter series that will make your quiet time with God the highlight of your day. Now, back to the show. So we talked about spiritual reading, literary reading, intellectual reading, and theological reading. What I've attempted to do is place these types of reading in order of greatest value for those attempting to live the Christian life as to become, as opposed to becoming a leader or teacher. For this purpose, the foundation of building a great relationship with God is number one and number two. So first of all, spiritual reading and literary reading. And so what we're talking about with deceit there, we're talking about spiritual reading. That's a big deal, spiritual reading, right? After we learn to consistently connect with and obey God, we can carefully add number three and four. That's intellectual reading and theological reading. Always on the lookout for spending more time analyzing than being obedient to Scripture. So that idea of analyzing is figuring out what your label is. And, and I think that's dangerous. Because when you're constantly reading the Bible to label yourself, you're just going to end up discouraged. Take it from someone who's done it a lot. I think I'm really good at that. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and indestructive. After we learn to consistently connect with and obey God, we can carefully add number three and number four, always and look out for spending more time analyzing than being obedient to Scripture. That's intellectual reading and theological reading. Be careful. John 5, 39, you're busy analyzing the Scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining internal life. Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. John 5, 5, 39 to 40, in the 
Passion Translation. So when you guys look at that scripture, I'm going to hit it again. Can you apply it to what we've been discussing? You are busy (laughs) analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me. (laughs) Yeah, you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. And I don't know that that's limited to like heaven. I think he's talking about a path that exists here and above. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you're hearing it. I'll get Mike in there first. He's been kind of quiet. <laughs> Suspiciously quiet. No, I, I, You like that phrase, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, that, fr- that frantically pouring over the scripture, I relate to. Like I, I've, I've um, had a lot of times where I've read the Bible you know, thoughts like, oh, I, I haven't had the insight yet. I, I think a lot about like, what can I tell people about what I read today? So when you're thinking about how Amy was talking about how she reads it and you're, 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 when you're working in marriage, cause I think a lot of married people out there are probably sitting there thinking, yeah, how do you, how do you help each other? How do you, how do you have that conversation? How do you engage on that? Wow. You know, how do we like, do you think anything about that? Yeah, I think so. I think we both have the, uh, the problem with the label thing, you know, like we both kind of, go into our Bible reading personally with sort of uh, assumptions about ourselves or, you know, a lack of, you know, wanting to see the truth. And so when we talk about it, I think we more try and like assuage or like, like calm emotions more than we try and help each other see <laughs> calm truth. Calm each other down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we do, you know. Get off we'll get the a little ledge. frantic. Yeah. Right now. Because <laughs> exactly. we'll read scriptures, but it tends to be more like, uh, like, oh man, we got to bring this down or not, you know, like hopefully this scripture will help help you feel at least that's what i do i don't, I don't speak do you ever you. have a conversation like you know kind of like we were talking about where you go okay look we're so let's pick something out of here because i think a lot of people w- w- would like to learn because i know you've probably done this and they'd like to learn how to, how you do it and then when you don't do it you know mm. all that mm. but um when i look at this passage i see some key words busy frantically <laughs> refuse yeah. And if I just take those words, remember when people are asking me, how do you read literally? I keep saying literally. We don't, I'm not advocating literal reading. In a literary Literary fashion. reading. <laughs> so when you read literature, I had, I had a, a, a teacher, an English teacher, Mrs. Young, and she would sit while she taught a lot. She was older. Um, and I'll never forget it. And we did Shakespeare in there. We did everything. She said, Ladies and gentlemen, and she would talk like this, not my voice, but ladies and gentlemen, when you read, you must read as a cow chews cud. It chews. You chew the words. Mm. And as you chew the words, you swallow them. And then you burp them back up (laughs) and you chew them again. Because literary reading of the Bible is the enjoyment of language. The visualization isn't just imagining, it's literally feeling these words. When I read that word busy, I feel anxiety. When I read, I mean, while I'm reading it, you are busy. I feel anxiety just reading the word because I'm taking the word in. I'm not just zipping past it on the way to an insight, I'm reading it, busy frantically. And when I read those things, you know what I conclude? And I'm not trying to be a Bible scholar. 
I'm talking not about theological, I'm talking about literary reading it, reading it the same way you would read a novel. I see busy, I see frantically, and then I see refuse and I learn. When I'm busily, frantically reading the Bible, I'm gonna refuse to seek a relationship with God because I'm hmm. totally focused on something else. Right. right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so some of it is, believe it or not, we don't want a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We want the ABCs of how to get in shape, the ABCs of how to have a good <laughs> marriage, the ABCs right. of how to be yeah. a kind person, the ABCs of being humble. And the Bible is not, that's not what it's about. Mm. Right. Even right. in John 17, three, he says, this is eternal life to know the father and the son. It's not a list and it's not a location, it's a relationship. And so being able to talk to each other mm -hmm. is about being able to talk to each other about the relationship. Mm -hmm. right. If I'm feeling anxious, what can you tell me about God, as Cameron said at the beginning, that will comfort me, mm -hmm. yeah. that will bring mm -hmm. me down yeah. from that. Mm -hmm. But if you're right. just telling me, hey, let's calm down, let's not worry about it, let's not right. read our email, let's not talk on the phone, <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's right. a trap. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to have to wake up the next morning and Still live life be there. again. Right. Yeah, well, I think th this is really good because uh, the scripture, I like where it's talking about they think the, they're pouring over them in the hopes of gaining eternal life when, you know, and I'm like, okay, so I, I think there's this... Um, what we're talking about and I've fell victim to this, but I think I can want to, um, I guess there's, so, there's so many thoughts in my head. Sorry. The, the hope is like, Oh, I'm just going to read and I'm going to like fix myself or I'm going to, I'm going to achieve this thing. And then, and then it's totally not like there's no God in it. So our own, you know, analysis of ourself, we, we go, Oh, this is who I am. And so we can read and like stew in that emotion. Like you were talking about before, but there's, when there's no God, we totally miss, we miss everything. We don't do anything with the scripture and go, I, this just happened with Isaiah 30. The other day I was having a conversation with somebody brought up the scripture, which is really good. I don't know if I could read it. You can do it's, whatever you it's, want. It's, it's very, uh, I think it's exactly what we're talking about. Cause it talks about the truth in the NIV at Isaiah 30 verse 12. It says, therefore, this is what the Holy one of Israel says, because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression and depended on deceit. This sin will become for you like a high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break into pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces, not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says in repentance and rest is your salvation mm. in quietness and trust is your strength. Wow. But you would have none of it. And it goes on. Um, but I think it's about running away and not dealing with the truth, but there's also a good, there's a, there's a, there's a solution and there's a turning to God part and it could be easy to just stay in the man. Like I'm just dependent on the seat. This is my thing, you know? And, uh, I think that's where a lot of us stay instead of the turning part. Well, we can rest in God. We can, re we can repent, you know, and it talks about how he's longing to be gracious to us later in the scripture and I think I miss that a lot of the time too, where I stay in the analysis part of, yes. man, okay, I'm just deceitful and yeah. I got to change yeah. this. So I'll even try to change it, but right. there's no God in right. the change. Yep. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm going to study out deceit, be an expert on deceit so I can somehow <laughs> figure it out. And it's like, no, I need God. Um, but I think we leave a lot of God out. And I think that's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. I think too, is pointing yeah. each mm -hmm. other back to God. Yeah. So I have a question for you, yeah. Mike. What's the, based on what you're saying, what's the opposite of deceit? Transparency. 
I said that's what you the opposite. What do you think, Nathan? What's the opposite of? I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of truth. Truth. Okay. What about you, Amy? Opposite of deceit. Well, I'm, I mean, the truth is the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. okay. So if you, you know, there's that passage in uh, Galatians that talks about very, uh, chapter five, verse nineteen. I mean, yeah, chapter five, nineteen, talks about a list of things that are considered sin, and then in, in verse twenty-three, it begins to talk about things that are considered the fruit of the spirit, right? right. And so those are counter. So what fruit of the spirit do you think would be the opposite of deceit? You can look. I'm just chilling over here, hoping that Steph Curry's wrist gets healed up. I mean, maybe peace, I guess. I don't know. Volume, I guess. Peace, maybe. Why, why do you say peace? I'm not disagreeing. I think uh, deceit makes me pretty stressed out, you know, and so I think maybe just, and even from that scripture Cameron read that trust trust me, I think there was a part where God says trust me, come back to me. Yeah. It makes me yeah. think of being calm. Yeah. I don't know, you know. That's yeah. See, I think part of the dilemma is it's easier to think about the sin than it is to think about the area to grow into. Yeah. yeah right. True. So if I said, you know what? I'll be less deceitful if I become more peaceful, which means what? What do you think peaceful means? Being okay with yourself. Okay with yourself. Trusting, yeah, secure. Yeah, Being secure. True. Okay, what else? Not like emotionally volatile and all over the place. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Just like you, you more even keel. You, you guys missed it. Cameron did a great, great illustration. Articulating hand motions, which were pretty, pretty descriptive <laughs> that you can't uh, see. A roller coaster. So I, I, I call it this. You know, I'm interpreting yeah. what you said. Not overthinking, not overreaching, not mm. over talking, mm. which I do all of these things. Yeah, and and so I think sometimes what we have to do is say yes, I have a. Pro-. So I think you did a great job just talking about that, uh, Cameron. Sometimes we just go yes, I got a problem with deceit. Somehow we've ended up talking about deceit. I don't know, how, I don't know. <laughs> but 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 my solution is not to work on not being deceitful. Right. My solution is to either work on being honest, which is where we didn't use yet. Right. And that honesty connects. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that honesty is communicative. That honesty removes anxiety from conversation because no one's hiding anything. Right. That honesty is, I think the Bible describes it to some degree, being like kissed on, on lips. That, that that honesty is power. And so I think sometimes it's easier to spend our time, like you said, Cameron, analyzing how bad we are instead of seeing the path. In Second Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, in First Corinthians 10, 13, he says, God will always give us a way out when we're tempted. So if I'm tempted to be deceitful, I have to look for another path. Hmm. And I don't know that it's honest. It may be honesty. It may be truth. It might be peace. It might be patience. Hmm. Instead of me worrying about how I'm going to look in front of Nathan when I tell him the truth, why don't I be patient and let Nathan absorb my mistake and, and my hurt against him? And as he absorbs it and feels better, our relationship becomes more cemented and better because hmm. I was patient. Hmm. And so I think the emphasis has to sometimes be on what do I need to grow into as opposed hmm. to what do I need to punish myself yeah. for being. And it, it's our mentality about God right. that determines which way we go. And I think if we think God is in the book, uh, Your God is Too Small by J.B. Phillips, um, he, in that book he talks about having a policeman view of God. I've, re- I've read that book in the 90s. I don't think I've read it again, but I think that's it. And so um, when you have a policeman view of God, you always think you're being charged with a crime to be arrested. Mm. And so you read your Bible, Hmm. not spiritually, not in a literary Hmm. fashion, not intellectually, not theologically, but you read your Bible in an accused fashion. Hmm. Let me go find a reason to feel guilty and something to uh, repent of because that's what God wants. I don't think God wants us to feel guilty every day. I think God wants us to grow every day. 
I think he wants us to grow toward a destiny. And so I want to come on back and give you guys a chance because we're, we're not going to go through the whole thing. You really ought to look at this section about um, um, uh, reading the Bible spiritually because there's a wonderful graph in there from Pew Research that talks about how little people read the Bible. And some of what we've discussed today is why people yeah. don't read the Bible mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. It causes them to have anxiety. It causes them to feel accused and guilty, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I'm going to give you guys the last word on this. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking that, uh, that last run there made me think about like i fall for that trap like a lot like when i read uh like for example we the other the other night um amy was saying hey like i need you to kick in a little bit more around the house i'm doing a lot <laughs> and it's, so you like, kick something over yeah yeah so i <laughs> literally kicked that was my literary uh no yeah like um could we have a toddler there's a lot to do um anyway she's expressing like just hurt and different things like hey i feel like i'm carrying a lot of the weight here and i was like shoot and the next day I was reading scriptures on selfishness. Right. But that idea of like growing into, you know, it's just not how I operate. It didn't even occur to me to like, and let me like get inspired about what kind of dad I can be, what kind of husband I can be. Um, let me get, it was more just like, all right, let me just kind of do my rounds here and find my, my, uh, all my kind of mess ups and stuff. You know, so I, I walk out, certainly seeing some things like, okay, wow, well, yeah, I'm definitely selfish for sure. But in the way it's almost like not, new information because we discussed that the night before but i didn't come away so i don't know something i get mixed up too because we talked about like coming in wanting to know the truth so i sometimes i interpret that as like come into my bible reading wanting to know you know what you know the 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 wrong things are you know like what the the yeah truth is not truth is not about right and wrong per se so i have a wrong definition of truth my definition of truth is like areas of you know that need to be changed Right. right, so that's sort of just so, how. So I mean, it's, it's like I, I like basketball. I always try to get it into something. So let's figure out the truth. Is I'm asking Nathan because he's a basketball guy. Is uh, um, who's the best player in the history of uh, the NBA? Michael Jordan. Now, how can that be when the truth is that Bill Russell has 11, 12 championships? I think he's the greatest winner in the history of the NBA, but not so, the greatest player. So what happens is when you start to discuss truth. You, you're, you're, you're not necessarily dealing and saying something bad about Michael Jordan. You're not dealing and saying something bad about Bill Russell. You're comparing what are the truths. Mm-hmm. What's the truth there? And so I think mm-hmm. when you're always, if you're going into your Bible and you're constantly looking for what's the truth that's wrong with me, that's a religious decision that's been made mm-hmm. somewhere in your past yeah. mm-hmm. by right. you mm-hmm. that's reduced the Bible down to about, um, I'm going to guess, 150 pages because I don't think the Bible's <laughs> yeah. whole tome is about that. Right. I think yeah. it's a book about redemption. It's a book about discovery. It's a book about reclamation. It's a book of hope. It's a book of love. It's a book of, of, of endurance and perseverance. Right. It's a, it's a book of resilience. It's a book of understanding and wisdom. It's a lot of different things, but I think what happens is really people have been going to church a long time. I don't know. It's something about our human brains. We mm-hmm. want to right. simplify mm-hmm. it and shorten yeah. it. No, totally. Right. So, so one of the things I was going to say is what, what would happen with, you know, this happens to me, you know, uh, the, the, you know, Gail wants, my, my wife wants me to kick in or whatever you, you were talking about. Every interaction between a husband and wife, I think, is an opportunity for a conversation. The question is, does a conversation take place or does obedience to the rule take place? So the, it's the curiosity to say, 
Why do you need me to kick it around? Kick whatever. What was that? Kick it, kick yeah, it around kick the house. Kick in more. Yeah, yeah. Why do you need me to kick in more? Well, it's like it, conversations definitely don't. They they stop pretty quick. I think. <laughs> well, and that comes down from your relationship yeah. with God, right? Because right. this is what you're talking about. at the very beginning. Reading the Bible is about knowing God. Right. Right. All right. So if I want to know God. What am I going to want to know? How he feels. Oh yeah. What he yeah, thinks. Feels, right. His perspective. So, so yeah. what I want to do is is I want to say if I'm if I'm talking to my wife and she's saying you need to kick it in, that would be to do a conversation of me saying, well, why? Because I'm an excuse maker. <laughs> well, why? I just did this, did this, did this, did this, and did this. Why do I need to do more? And then it would be like, yeah, but you were supposed to do those two weeks ago, and you finally did them, and you, had, you were supposed to have this done by this day. And it would turn into a conversation, and conversations of honesty bring us closer. Right. So here's the trick, right? First John 4 says, if you cannot love the person who you see right in front of you, how can you love God you don't see? So the same conversations we have with God, I've learned this in my life from making so many mistakes <laughs> and sins and bad things, but the conversation we have with God is equal to the kind of conversation we have with our spouse. Hmm. Mm. And so the big thing we, and Nathan, you and I have talked about this before, mm -hmm. we can end up not wanting to have a conversation with our spouse because we don't want to hear the truth. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to go obey the rule then build the relationship. Right. Yeah. Just, mm -hmm. And I even think about what would that be like having a conversation with God? Because I'm so dishonest when I pray. Like, yeah. I would never say to God, even though it's true in my heart, I would never go, dude, God, I've been doing all the things. You know what I mean? But right. that's what I feel. Yes. I think I do that. So that's very interesting because I do, it's very similar. Like with Amy, like we'll talk and in my head and heart, I'll have excuses or, or whatever, but it's easier just to kind of act. You'll suppress the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. We, 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 I, I used to always say, oh, I'm not angry. You're angry. <laughs> oh, I, I, I grew up, I, the way I grew up, the way I grew up, I just, you know, anger's not my thing. And so I had to finally yeah. admit I get angry. And yeah. that was a monumental thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Amy wants to hop in on this one and for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm saying is I was suppressing. Right. The yeah, right. And I, as a man, one of the things I often yeah, did was looked at it and said, well, 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 the woman is emotional and the man is not. Yeah. I think more often than not, the man is suppressed. Yeah. And you suppress it because you don't want to have to engage on that intimate of a level. Dang. That's my own psychological, spiritual, emotional problem. Well, I was thinking that scripture we read about fran being frantic. <laughs> and, uh, but I was thinking about that when you asked, what do we learn? Or, you know, what do we learn in marriage or how do we help each other? Because we're learning, I think. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I tend to be a more obviously frantic person. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> obvious when you're around me. So I, I know that about myself, but I'm learning Mike gets frantic too. Hey, and I'm like, oops. oh, I, he needs me to help. He helps me slow down, I feel like, a lot. That's one of the things he does that helps me is slow down and think about my he faith versus, you know, versus, <laughs> versus all my emotions. I get so emotional, you know, and I can't, it's hard for me even to think about God, but he helps me with that. But I'm learning I need to help him with that too. And that's something I think that can be hard for us in our dynamic. We both get kind of frantic and I don't always realize, oh, I'm frantic, but maybe he feels afraid too. Like, oh, I should be helpful, you know, yeah. instead of just kind of dumping yeah, mine out. or conversation you know. about that with friends like a week ago or something. It was kind of this big aha you know yeah. like i think mike might be anxious too you know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, i felt so embarrassed but i was Should've like invited us all to that <laughs> <laughs> me and Ethan and camera could have helped out with that one yeah yeah it was sort Unsuppress of a, the frantic mike yeah. <laughs> i i i i i think that what we're talking about today is that reading the bible is far more than reading the bible mm -hmm. for sure and that if it's just reading at some point it will get boring and that's yeah. the challenge and i, I want to say a word on the intellectual and the theological i actually like the intellectual i've i've the, the theological the reason i say it's boring it's actually not boring to me but because i've got a lot of material and books i read like that 
but it's it's a hard sledding. And so the, there are concepts and language that are academically oriented that are not words we use in the everyday vocabularies we have. And so that's why it can get rugged. Um, but I think it can be incredibly motivating, but it isn't, it isn't motivating if you don't uh, have the other forms of reading down. And so if you're just jumping in there and trying to conquer some of these extraordinary concepts that some of these theologians talk about, like what is heaven and where is heaven? Right. And what's the kind? Okay. When you start getting into that and you know, you can't even tell the truth yet. You just gotta wait. You gotta weigh that out. You know, that's like the guy is like, Hey, I want to go run a marathon. And he still, his primary diet is, is Twinkies. Like, yeah. I mean, you gotta hey, get the Twinkies first then let's talk about running. Don't run anywhere right now because you may fall down and have a heart attack. But get the Twinkies, and after you get the Twinkies, then we'll talk about maybe <laughs> maybe walking around the block, right? And I think that that's what that's about. It's about getting those steps in place. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast about how to read the Bible spiritually. There's a whole lot more in the article, www.deepspirituality.net, on how to have great quiet times. There's charts, visuals, all types of graphic material. And then there's associated and connected articles that have been written and studies that are coming. In fact, we have some really cool stuff coming in the future. Uh, we're going to be doing the how to move God in prayer uh, section. And then we've also got a whole new set of stuff we're going to do uh, coming to you quickly about, believe it or not, anxiety. It's going to be all about anxiety. And so um, we're going to have Mike in there for sure what? so that he can get <laughs> so he can get some help. And so Amy doesn't have to live with all of his anxiety. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're going to rescue. We're going to do. We're going to do an intervention. Operation Rescue Amy. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Probably have a great best. day.